when I read the paper this week and the Pope decided to come out on the theory of evolution as he did, I was disappointed and yet I shouldn't have been knowing that he probably and a lot of other people that have studied and have uh, focused their minds on the power of the Pope that they think that he's infallible because fallible men appoint him, then he becomes infallible and he can speak. And to say that man evolved and that God put his spirit in him is certainly uh, contrary to all the teachings of the Bible and even that which is demonstrated uh, in life. Because we've never become a monkey. We've never become something higher than a monkey or whatever animal we evolved from. There's never been any changes in man. As long as we remember, he's been man. We can study the history. Man has been there. It's life. It's life. It's an insult to God for a person who claims to be the speaker for God to make such a statement. But nevertheless, people that have been brainwashed and have been taught that uh, certainly will probably go along with it. I heard two men on talk radio say they weren't Jew Jewish. Uh, they were sort of a... Uh, I guess a background maybe in Christianity, but they said, well, you know, I sort of thought that because I'd heard so much teaching on evolution and said, uh, he said that, he, that God put his spirit in man. So that sort of makes sense because so what they were wanting to do is to buy the theory of evolution and say that God put his spirit in us. Uh, life is precious and life is, is a precious word in the Bible. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And without him was not anything made that has been made. And he became man, and so that we might know that he's alive. And, and uh, I'm interested, and I know you're interested, uh, sometime we get, I think we ought to get excited about Christianity. And I think we ought to get to think about the rage that certainly should possess us because people don't think about life being precious and being eternal. But uh, when we speak of life, we speak not only of the physical, but we speak of the spiritual. And uh, we, we should give consideration to this because I've experienced so many times uh, my closest friends dying. And I've, they've been special to me. And then I've had, I've seen them where their life went out of their body. Sometime I've been holding their hand when they die. And uh, if you understand God's great gift of life, you understand that that life went back to God. And for us to be with people and not teach them this, uh, how to become eternally with Christ. Uh, we're not thinking as we should. 
So there's four things that I just want to study with you this evening, and it's in that little chart down at the bottom. The that uh, when we become a Christian, we have a new life. That's it's never the way it was before. Never, never ever. And we got to believe that. That's the reason we need to talk to people that haven't become a Christian, because the life that they get when they become a Christian is that which is eternal, and it's that which God intended for every person to have. And it's a new one. It's a new life. Now, you've got to believe that. It only comes by faith, and you've got to believe it. Look at the outline. Just because one is alive physically does not mean that one has the new life that we're talking about now. You say, well, I'm alive. Why did I have? Well, you've got to ask the question because of the Bible teaching and because so many things in the New Testament and in the Old that points toward this. Have I been born again? Do I have that new life? Do I have it? All have had the physical birth. And, uh, but there's just only those who believe in Christ and do what the Bible teaches are alive in him. And then sometime, before we get through our point, you're going to see that people can lose that. You can forfeit it because it's by faith. Look at B under that outline, the new life. Jesus taught Nicodemus the, 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 about the new birth. Now, that's Jesus speaking. And he thought enough of this uh, uh, Jewish teacher uh, came to him by night. He said, uh, he said, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And he was interested, and he wanted him to explain to him. And he said, you've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Now, that's Jesus. If, if a person has any question about that, then we have a, a difference with Jesus, not with man. We need to understand that. Men seek to be born of the Spirit, but they just leave off the water. They, they make fun of the water. They ridicule people who believe in water along with being born again. And it's just because that they don't know, really, they, it's because they haven't heard what Jesus said. They think about it. Now, if Jesus hadn't meant water when he said water, what would he have used if he wanted to mean water? Let me ask that again. If Jesus hadn't meant water when he said water, what would he have used to have meant water? So I conclude that it was water. And it is of the Spirit. Jesus did not leave water out. Baptism uh, is a part of a new birth. Now, I want you to turn for me to, to the Titus 3 and, and, and verse, uh, well, a few verses there we want to read together. But this is an important passage. Titus, the second chapter, or the third chapter, and... Uh, The fifth verse there says, uh, that it's not by, but after, look at the fourth verse, but after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
You're saved by mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> this is, is, is really a commentary on John 3, uh, verses 3 through 5. The NIV says, and you probably don't have that, but in your notes we have it, he saved us through the washing of rebirth. And that's, that is, is understandable. The washing of a rebirth, it's a new birth, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And if you were just, if you were just turn with me right now to Ephesians, just back in the New Testament, Galatians and Ephesians, and it's important for you to uh, turn to this uh, uh, passage. I don't have this written, but I want you to, uh, you can put that in your notes. By the, in the fifth chapter, uh, and the 26th verse, I, I want to start with the, uh, the 23rd verse of the fifth chapter of, of Ephesians. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Now, he's the savior of the church because the church is the body, and he's already said that in this, in this Ephesian letter. So he's the savior. Now, the church doesn't save you, but he's the savior of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, here's the 26th verse that goes back to the new birth. It goes back to John, I mean, to Titus 3 and verse 5. That he might sanctify, that means to set it apart, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now, the word is the words of the spirit. It's the teaching. But there is baptism right there in that, and it doesn't, it doesn't really say baptism, but, but, but he's just writing, and it's by the washing of water, but he doesn't leave the teachings, and he doesn't leave the Spirit out of it. Now, look back to your outline. In, uh, baptism is a part of God's righteousness. Matthew 3, 14, and 15. Jesus came to be baptized. And he said, he said oh, I need to be baptized by you. But he said, you suffer to be so. You, uh, you allow it to be so. Because he said, I, I'm here to fulfill all righteousness. Now, righteousness, David said, all our commandments are righteousness. So Jesus was baptized to fulfill all the commandments. Even though he wasn't baptized for the of sins, he was baptized so, uh, for, for that. Now, in, in, in the New Testament, in becoming Christian, the Spirit leads the sinner through the Word and through the teachings of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in Acts 22 and 16, when Paul was taught by, he had a vision, and, and Christ spoke to him in person. But you know, he didn't stop at that. He didn't save him there when he spoke to him. He didn't save him when he spoke to him. He said, you go into the, to the city, and you go, you don't go and the preacher, Ananias, will tell you whereby words whereby you may be saved. Now, when he got there, here's what the preacher told him. Ananias said, when he spoke to Ananias, he said, you go talk to Paul, 
He said, I've heard a lot of bad things about this man. He, he didn't want to. And he said, you go. He's a chosen vessel. So he went. When he got there, he said, Brother Saul, they were brothers as you. He said, the Lord has spoken to me. And he said, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, he was an apostle that wrote on baptism. But before he ever was baptized, he had a preacher who was inspired to tell him to arise and to be baptized and to wash away his sins. And then he taught, a number of times, he taught that you put on Christ by being baptized, Galatians 3, 26, 27. He taught that it was by one spirit that you were all baptized into one church or one body. He taught that later. But here the preacher told him to arise to be baptized and wash away your sins. So in order to have this new life, you do it just like Jesus has said in his word. And it isn't difficult to understand. In Romans 6 and verse 4, he said, Know ye not that so many of us have been baptized in Christ that put on Christ? We were buried, therefore, by baptism into Christ. That like as Christ was uh, raised up from the, the, the dead, even so we should walk in newness of life. There's the new life. Now, isn't that easy? Now, if we don't, if a person wants to be a Christian, he needs to do it this way and forget about the people who would say baptism is not essential. You say, well, what about, I had a friend, and, and they said, they're not baptized. We need to tell them about it. You mean, you, you mean they're going to hell because they're not baptized like that? I'm not saying anything. I'm just preaching the good news. I'm just preaching what the Bible teaches. It's between the person who's listening and Jesus and the apostles. Just take individuals out of it. And it's important for us to do that in order to have life. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter and the 17th verse, he said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things. How did you get into Christ? That Romans 6 said you were baptized into it. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 said we put him on when we were baptized. Now, you can't have it any clearer than that. Galatians 3, 26 27. Now, that's the way you get the new life. Now, each one of us here this evening can share that with others who haven't done that. Now, if a person hasn't done that, you say, well, what's going to happen to them if they die? Well, they don't have a new life. They don't have Christ. You mean to tell me they don't, they're not going to heaven? Well, this is Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He is the life. If a person wants Christ, he needs to be baptized into Christ and put on Christ. Now, if a person isn't, like I said this morning in class, you know, Peter, what he did, he said, you people are in sin. You crucified the Lord of glory. If he'd never said that, he couldn't have told them what to do to be saved. So a person who isn't in Christ is lost. He doesn't have the life. He doesn't have the new life. When he has the new life, then look what the point two is. Point two is that he'd pray. He'd talk to God. He promised to be with him always. The privilege from the new birth is that you can talk to God through Christ. And Christ is your mediator. And the Holy Spirit makes intercessions according to Romans 8. I don't understand all of that. I just know that I believe it because it's written. So I have a new life and I have a new relationship. And you know, prior to find is a spiritual child talking to his father. 
I'll tell you, if you just think, isn't it a precious thing to have a relationship with a, with a child and being able to talk and converse with them? And you know, as long as we can talk and converse, and, and, and usually the child will respond. You can't, you know, in John 9 and verse 31, they, uh, this, this blind man said, we know that God doesn't hear sinners' prayer. We know that God doesn't hear sinners. How did he know that? That was a thing that was established by Old Testament. But he that hears him and keeps his commandments, he will hear him. And then you're told, t telling me that this man is not real? No. A child of God, according to Matthew 7 and, and 7 and 8, you ask, you seek, and you knock. And he says, he that asketh, receiveth. He that knocks, it'll be open to him. And he that seeketh, he shall find. You know, the prayer to Christian must receive top priority. It is said that Emily Post said, if you're invited to the White House, an invitation to a lunch or a dinner there, then uh, it is a command. And you ought to cancel everything else. All your Did you know that invitation to the White House is not as important as the invitation that when you have the new life and you come in with Jesus and with God and Christ and our relationship there is very, very important. And a lot of times we may let a day go by that we don't talk with him. wonder how he feels about that. You know, it represents power. Remember, nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. Now, you've got to pray according to thy will. But in James, the fifth chapter, in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much in his working. Now, that means in his working, in his activity, in a man's faith. In the first chapter, in 5 and 6, he says, If you lack wisdom, you ask of God, and he'll give liberally, bountifully, but if you doubt, he said, you're just like a wave that's tossed to about in the sea, and you won't receive anything. Well, that's just true, and that's that life that you have that started when you were Christian, and it continues to go because you talk with God. You know, there's an example of a Japanese dwarf tree that if you cut the tap roots, it'll just die. And that is, is so typical of prayer to a Christian. If we don't have our prayer line open and talk to God, a person who believes in God and believes in the existence of Christ, believes that Christ has died for him and that he loves him and that he wants to care for him, he will pray. And if a person isn't praying, his spiritual life is in trouble. Well, that has to continue. That's the reason I have point two there, point three, is, is a life that's full of faith. A life that's, that's a life. It just keeps on keeping on. You know, you wonder how many souls in past centuries became unfaithful. I'll tell you, I think about the church here, and I think about the indifference that we have among our members, and I think about the indifference that we have about those people who are indifferent. And it scares me sometimes. If we don't care enough to call them, tell them that we think about them, pray for them, and miss them, where is our 
faithfulness. Where is our relationship with God? Another way of saying one is lost unless he repents is, is, is just to think about the warnings. Look at those scriptures. John 15 and 6, he says, if, if my words abide in you, if they abide not in you, he said, you're going to be cut off as a branch, and you're going to wither, and they, so they're going to come along and take you and put you in the fire and burn you. That's a warning. That's a warning. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said, I buffet my body that after I have, I, I have uh, run, he said, I have to keep myself under subjection. I have to discipline myself, lest I should be a castaway. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he said, Be steadfast, unmovable. This is a warning. Always abounding in the work of the Lord as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In Galatians 5 and 4, he said, Now, the, the law just won't save you. You can't be saved by the law. You've fallen from grace if you just want to say, well, I'll just keep some commandments and I'll just keep a law and I'm okay. He said, you're fallen from grace. You've got to be faithful. You've got to be in touch with the relationship that you have with Jesus. The next verse says, but you have hope through the righteousness of God by faith. The fifth verse, or the, yeah, the fifth verse in that. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 1 said, in the time, the Spirit says expressly that in the last days seducers will come. In the last days, men, men shall fall away, being deceived by uh, deceptive spirits and, and, and demons. And uh, these are warnings. You know, you've heard, I know, in the gold rush, and they came out here, and then when people go into uh, the oil that they just dig and they have dwell, wells and they drill and they drill and people who, who dug and were successful is because they just kept on digging. That was the motto. That was the line. Well, you know, that's what Revelation 2.10 says. Be you faithful unto death and you shall receive the crown of life. The New Testament, the faithfulness of, of uh is in Galatians 6 and 9. Be not weary in well-doing, uh, but lest you faint and are weary, he said, because uh, you will reap in due season if you faint not. You will reap in due season if you faint not. Don't give up. Don't make the same mistake that Demas, he left for this present world. Now, I know that a lot of people do things on Sunday morning and other times, that they could come to services. And you know that. And just a kind word and to say, you know, we need you. We need to worship. And we're worshiping the living Christ. We need to be together as a family and we miss you. Would probably be words that would just help and help them. That's a faithful. That's, that's full of faith. Full of awareness that we're in this life. Now, the next point is the same except... I want you to understand that this new life that began at conversion and is sustained by prayer and is sustained by reading, how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Is it, and you're into the Word of God. It's a thing that keeps on going. And it's a life that is, is saved and it keeps saved. Adam and Eve, 
in the in the garden, they lost physical uh, relationship with the beautiful garden, but they died spiritually. They died spiritually. They were out of touch. They were driven from the garden in the tree of life, and we have it now in Christ. He said, "He said I came that you might have life, and that more abundantly." And when he said, do you want to go away? Because he said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And Peter said, who shall we go? You have the words of life. Well, when we talk about this new life, we're talking about that which is a relationship with a great, powerful God that we worship. And uh, from this time forward, man needs that life, and he needs to stay in touch. In many years, God sent his son from the time of the Garden of Eden and uh, the angel announced in first matthew 1 and 21 a son has been born has been given and you shall call his name jesus for he shall save and that word save is keep on saving keep on saving his people from their sins now if we just think that we can believe and repent and be baptized, and we can go off and come back at a summer meeting or every once in a while when we want to, we're just mistaken. That's a traditional approach of Christianity. That's an insult to God, to think that you can just have faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, and you're saved. You can go on your way, you can do anything you want to, and then uh, you'll be saved when you die. The Bible doesn't teach that. Not to speak lightly of faith, repentance, confession, and baptism because those are essential. But the continuous uh, relationship with Jesus, he shall keep on saving his people from their sins. We're all going to make mistakes. As we grow, even our attitudes can cause us to be like the devil. Even our clashes with, our, with the people that we should love and adore and help causes us sometimes to act like a devil. But it doesn't if you realize you have Christ within you. You say, well, he's just a man like I am, or he's a lady, she's a lady like I am. And, and we're all in the same boat, and the only way we can have the right attitude is to love one another and let Christ save us from our sins. And he shall save his people from their sin, and we sin every day after we become a Christian. And we must confess our sins. And he is faithful to just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why did he say that? Because it's just a process that we have to keep on doing. Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 15 and 22 that as in Adam all die, in Christ all are continuously made alive. You're baptized into Christ, but you can forfeit that any time you give it up because he's a powerful God. He's the one who loves you. He's the one who takes you. He's the one who helps you. He's the one who picks you up when your face is dirty and cleanses it and cleanses you and helps you and gives you strength. But you've got to have your eye on him and you've got to want to be like him. Jesus' purpose is to bring life. In John, the first chapter, in the fourth verse, said in him was life and that life was the light of man. Until you realize that the life that you have there's a lot of people that are having a lot of difficulty because they're upset emotionally. Now, I'm not making fun or lie to anybody. 
because we're just all human. And we allow that thing to get in touch with it. And some people just allow a situation just to bug them. They, it just eats them up because things are not like they want it. But we've got to quit. You've got to quit acting like that. There's a lot of things. You're not going to control everybody and everything. And when you're like Christ and you, you know that in him is life and that life is the light of man, and you claim that life and you claim his goodness and his kindness and his forgiveness and his understanding, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Life becomes differently. In him was life. And that life is life. Luke 19 and verse 10 says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now if you haven't discovered that, then your relationship with Christ is Neil. But when you understand you were baptized into him, you took him on, and he took you on, and he said, I'll, I'll live in you, and I'll put my spirit within you, I'll give you strength, I'll give you forgiveness. And the example that I have there, if you have a great violin, if you have a Stradivari, which is one of the great violins, and if you had it, and then it got bunged up and, and torn up and, and beat around and even burned and things that way. It's possible for you to take those old violins and to fix them up to where that beautiful harmony can be made on them again. Jesus, when he made man, he said he's very good. But the devil got into man by choice. And we all have a battle with him. There's no respecter of persons. The devil will get us if he possibly can. But God can take a man like an old violin and he can renew it and he can put his spirit within it and he can cleanse it and he can make it play again. And we need to understand that you compare us to that uh, and restore our soul and, uh, and get to work in in 1 Timothy 1 and 5, he said, Great, faithful is the saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ came in the world to save sinners. He came in here to save us. He said, Oh, it's just a bad. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Nobody come. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody. <clears throat> Christ came to make it wonderful. Christ came to give us strength. Christ came to give us a smile. Christ came, came to invigorate us and to give us strength and power and encouragement. There's so much in the New Testament about edifying the body. The body is the people who need it. And the devil would like for us to forget about that. Therefore, a goal for all to seek is a new life. Stay in touch with prayer. Stay in touch with being full of faith, full of awareness that Christ is alive. He'll never leave you. He, it's impossible for God to lie. He'll never leave you. And then he'll keep saving you. And you'll need it for the day you die. Because there are a lot of things that will disgust you and will cause you to want to give up. If you're here and you're not a Christian, this would be a good time for you to confess your faith.
Repent of your sins, be baptized into Christ, and let him give you that strength as we stand together and sing.